everyone. Welcome to PwC TaxBite podcast series. My name is still Peter, and I'm still very happy that I have Jorgen and Kim with me in my virtual recording studio. As you may recall from a previous episode, Jorgen is leading our global compliance network, and Kim is part of our global uh, statutory center of excellence. And um, yeah, in the previous episode, we have been talking about stat reporting and why it is so hot from a tax perspective. And and we have talked about Pillar 2, new challenges, ESG challenges. It was extremely interesting uh, to talk about yeah, the, the fundamentals, I think, of, uh, of statutory reporting. Um, and I'm very curious what we will talk about today. Um, Jorgen, what's on our agenda? Thanks, Peter. Today, we're going to deep dive on data. Uh, we will look into the types of data you need for statutory reporting as well as the challenges and best practices to deal with this data looking at the end-to-end process. Okay, but let's start with the beginning. What is the data challenge when we focus on the statutory reporting function, Jorgen? What we see is that the the stat and and the tax function as a downstream user still spends too much time on identifying data points, collecting that data, and then transforming that data in order to be able to use it. And finally, reconciling that data with all other information which is available to make sure that it's actually correct and that you can uh, feel comfortable with that data for the downstream use case. So what are the data points typically requires? Well, we, we typically group this data in three buckets. We've got the ERP data, trial balance data, transactional data, subledgers. We've got non-ERP data, but which is still structured from other platforms. And then we've got semi-structured data, which can be fully spread around the organization. Just think of headcount information, contracts, POs, uh, identity of the directors, and what have you. The ERP data and the the other structured data, we typically collect using either extraction, ideally, or using reporting tools and functionalities. Mostly these are embedded in the ERP. The semi-structured data, that is collected via what we call an, an SDG process, supplemental data gathering. Sometimes also referred to as PBC, for instance, which stands for prepared by clients. As we covered in our previous episode, there are different sub-processes within the statutory reporting function. The first sub-process is getting your stat trial balance data ready, including the identification of the differences between your group gap and the local gap or gap to stat different. And ideally, this is all coming directly from your ERP system or from the dedicated gap to stat platform uh, we also discussed last time. The second sub-process, that's all about the preparation of the actual statutory financial statements. So you start from the stat trial balances, you add all other non-ERP data, semi-structured data points that are needed to complete the notes to the financial statements. And of course, those would be different from country to country. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Jorgen. Let's take a bit deeper in that first step now, these uh, gap to stat differences. This is going back in all the discussions that we have on Pillar 2 and, and, and data gathering. So I think it's it's interesting to to look a bit more into that. Um, Kim, maybe can you explain us a bit what, what, what companies can do to, to facilitate these differences in the best way? Sure. Um, maybe uh, let's identify the, the different types of these gap to stat differences first. Um, we also briefly 
touched upon it in our previous session. Uh, and also here, we typically distinguish three groups, uh, at least in theory. So first of all, the policy differences or the gap technical differences. These are differences that most of the people think about when you say gap to set differences. Uh, typical examples are fixed assets differences in view of capitalization and depreciation, but also revenue recognition, pension accruals. Um, these are rules driven. Um, some of these can be automated, but in practice, this group certainly is not the majority of the differences. Second group is the cutoff or uh, and the materiality differences um, caused because of the fact that there's different calendars for um, closing of the stat versus the group uh, reporting and because of lower materiality thresholds from a stat perspective. Third uh, bucket, the granularity differences um, because of the fact that uh, for stat purposes you need to show the data on a more granular level. For example, one US GAAP payroll account may be split up into two, three, or even more local payroll accounts. Now, in practice, we usually see a fourth type of bucket, which we refer to as gap fixing. So it's not an actual qualified difference between gaps, but really errors that are being processed in group gap during the year and which you only stumble upon after year-end in view of the preparation of your financial statements or tax deliverables. So that's the types of differences. Now, how to accommodate for these in the best way? Of course, it will depend on the type of difference. Let's maybe start with the, the last bucket that we saw, the gap fixing, because you definitely want to avoid those. Um, and in order to do this, we come back to the preferred operating model that we talked about uh, during the last session, which is really maintaining dual gap accounting ledgers in the business ERP throughout the year. So um, be it on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, through the use of secondary ledgers or non-leading ledgers. Why? There's different uh, advantages here. Uh, first of all, you get real-time access to your financials under the different accounting standards. Uh, it also enables you to deal with unusual or non-standard transactions as they occur. Um, so avoiding that you have this rush uh, at the end of the year. It also allows you to identify upstream accounting issues early on and fix them accordingly. That will, for example, then also uh, avoid audit fee overruns or even tax penalties. Um, having your stat accounting embedded into the gap, your group gap accounting cycle will also help in streamlining your processes. Um, so to have them more structured, to increase the sustainability and the productivity, um, and of course, it will also provide a better basis for your periodic tax provisioning and, and installments. So that's the, the fourth bucket. Um, if we go back to uh, the policy differences, those can be accommodated for in a smart way in the ERP itself. Again, the most uh, straightforward example are the fixed asset schedules that you can set up in the ERP, making distinction between fixed asset schedules for GAP, for STAT, even for tax. Um, but also smart ruling to account for different ways in presenting the data in the different gaps. The cutover materiality differences, those can be reduced by streamlining the gap and stat calendars to a maximum extent, or also to balance the materiality thresholds between gap and stat in order to avoid these differences as much as possible. And then finally, the granularity differences. Here you need to think about what does the ideal um, operating chart of account uh, look like. 
um, and try to set and text sensitize it in a way that it helps you to integrate these granularity differences in your day-to-day -day processes. Uh, you can also use segments where it makes sense to not overblow your uh, chart of accounts uh, when it's not needed. So these are a few examples of how to accommodate that. Yeah, thanks, Kim. And yeah, as we said last time, this is, of course, the optimal model, eh? uh, a ledger uh, system, of course, uh, but may not be uh, yeah, so achievable for every, every company uh, in the audience here, uh, at least not maybe from where they start today and, and, and for the entire footprint of the company. So uh, for those entities where this, this stat reporting is, is, is not considered as a process, but still rather like a, yeah, a one-off event uh, each year, what, what are best practices then that we can share with, with the audience? Yeah. And then here I, again, want to maybe start with what we still see a lot in practice, but is certainly a suboptimal. Um, that's uh, still what we see a lot. Eh? Companies maintaining their gap to stat differences in large and complex Excel spreadsheets. Uh, most of the time, these spreadsheets look differently from entity to entity or certainly from country to country. Um, the audit trail is lacking or is just non-existent. Uh, and of course, this bears a, a lot of risks in view of any future tax audit. It's also a very cumbersome process. It's time consuming uh, because you need to roll forward all of these adjustments from one financial year to another. Um, they require then an equity reconciliation to start with. So um, you also need to reverse the adjustments that need to be reversed uh, uh, because in the meantime, they have been processed in your gap records. Uh, you need to apply maybe um, the mapping to uh, of new, new accounts to the local specific chart of accounts for those countries where that's needed. Uh, you need to identify then the new adjustments and then gather the supporting documentation for these. Um, and then finally perform uh, any statutory classes in order to... Um, uh, to get to a correct presentation of your country-specific uh, formats. Um, now, if you're lucky, you're limited to a handful of, of versions of this spreadsheet, usually stored somewhere on a drive. Again, if you're lucky, it's a central drive. Um, and after a year or two after the person preparing these files has left, you need to figure out again what was the final version, where are all the underlying documents stored, and so on. So certainly not the, the, the best scenario, but we still see it a lot. What we put forward as a best practice um, in, in, in this case is to automate this process as much as possible and to do this preparation on a standardized platform solely used for this purpose. Um, for example, we have our gap to stat conversion platform, which is actually built on a, on a mid-size ERP. Um, and we have organized this and customized it in a way that it easily accommodates the capturing of these gap to stat differences, including an audit trail. Um, it also includes a repository where you store the underlying backup of each adjustment. Uh, it remains available there on the platform itself. Um, it's also online, of course, so everyone who needs and is allowed access to it can access it uh, all at the same time. So there's also only one version of the truth, and it's always up to date. Um, it can also easily be used to provide the statutory auditor with the required details, including a standardized and automated set of reports, including a gap to stat bridge, a roll forward of last year's stat bridge with the current year one, an equity reconciliation, and of course, a detailed list of the actual gap to stat adjustments with the link to the underlying documentation. So next to the standardization and the automation of the reports, 
also the roll forward from one year to another is automated. Um, so any adjustments that were identified as reversing adjustments in the previous year are being reversed in the next year. Um, all adjustments that have been flagged as non-reversing are being rolled forward. So you don't need to re-enter these adjustments anymore. You don't need to confirm the equity reconciliation that's all done automatically. And of course, there's also an integrated mapping with the local chart of accounts, um, as well as a mapping to the SFS section. So this really allows you to print the trial balance based upon these SFS sections, meaning that you have a direct feed for the preparation of your uh, statutory financials. So in short, a very streamlined, uh, streamlined, sorry, standardized process uh, to accommodate for these gap to set differences and to really get you in a comfortable position to start the actual preparation of the financial statements accordingly. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Kim. So uh, indeed good to hear that also in case where the ideal scenario is not yet, yet feasible and there are many things uh, the audience can do to make sure that they work in a streamlined way. That will help um, also, I think, later on when for better two purposes, you need to prove the origin and the, the sources of your data uh, to the tax authorities. Um, so, but Jorin, maybe um, uh, back to you with a questionnaire. Eh? So um, when talking to clients, I hear a lot uh, about uh, tooling for the financial statement preparation process. I hear Workiva, for instance. Um, there seems to be a lot of uh, attention to it, a lot of fuzz about it as well. Um, is that really a game changer according to you? Yeah, Peter. For most clients, Workiva certainly can be a game changer. Uh, it can really accelerate the transformation of how companies manage their stat processes. One of the key benefits is that it can support both an in-source delivery model, an outsource delivery model, and even a hybrid model, all on one and the same technology. So I'm certainly really excited, but let me provide some background. So Workiva is a, is a global software as a service or SaaS company. And it provides a cloud-based connected reporting platform that enables what they call the use of connected data and the automation of reporting across finance, accounting, risk, and compliance. Workiva often refers to the trifecta, linking financial reporting, controls, and ESG. One of their financial reporting solutions is GSR, which stands for Global Statutory Reporting. And it's a platform designed specifically for the statutory finance function. We use this platform, for instance, for a number of our global managed services clients. Now, one of the key benefits of Workiva's GSR solution is its ability to automate and standardize the financial processes. By using the platform, it's possible to eliminate a lot of the manual error prone tasks and to really reduce the risks of error. The GSR solution, it also provides uh, a range of tools and features for analyzing and interpreting financial data, including interactive dashboards and visualization tools, as well as some advanced analytical capabilities, such as machine learning and even predictive modeling. And another benefit of the GSR solution is its ability to handle large volumes of data and to support multiple reporting standards. So the, the platform can really handle data from a variety of sources, including spreadsheets, databases and enterprise systems, and it can support multiple reporting uh, frameworks such as USGAP, IFRS, and LocalGAP. Besides these direct benefits, there's also the really improved audit trail, better version control, and data automation, which should all increase the cost efficiency. 
The key benefit in many cases, however, is the collaboration functionality, functionality, really allowing multiple teams and stakeholders to work together. Just imagine the people actually providing input on a lot of your questions, your finance teams uh, reviewing and analyzing the information, and even the statutory auditor all working on one and the same platform together on the data set. Now, obviously, companies, they will need to set up the templates and the processes fully tailored to their specific organization if you want to maximize the value of the platform. Um, and we, we've done that for a large number of clients. When it comes to the gap to stat conversion process and linking it to Kim's feedback on the previous question, uh, this can also be set up in Workiva, but it's important to manage expectations. So the platform is great for managing a more limited number of adjustments in countries allowing for the reporting platform. But for more complex adjustments, integration with your ERP platform, or in order to meet the requirements in some of the more complex countries, we do recommend to combine Workiva with either the full stat ledgers in your ERP or a dedicated gap to stat solution such as our gap to stat platform. Okay, uh, thanks, Jorna. So, yeah, I think I got your message clear. Eh? So, so Workiva sounds like a very good starting point for uh, yeah, templating your financial statements. But as always, I think the, the data and the quality of data will be will be the starting point. And that brings us back to actually where we started the discussion today, eh? which which is a uh, which was our second podcast in this uh, in this uh, sub series uh, on 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 uh, gap to stat and, and and financial statutory reporting and the link to tax. So uh, we will also have a third uh, edition. So Kim, I'm curious, can we warm up the audience to listen to our third podcast as well? And, and what can the audience expect in that episode? Absolutely. Um, so for our next one, we will dive deeper into the ideal end state at the dual gap accounting that we referred to already a few times um, and how to get there. Uh, again, a very hot topic today because uh, we see a lot of organizations that are moving their ERP system from on-premise to, to the cloud, um, whether it's Oracle, SAP, Workday, or any product in the Microsoft suite, just to, to name a few. Such an ERP transformation project is really the ideal moment in time to revisit your statutory and your tax uh, processes and function as a whole, because it's really the opportunity to make sure that you resolve all of the inefficiencies, all of the issues that you had in the past, um, and define what would be needed going forward, um, both from a, a central core design perspective, as well as for um, the rollout to uh, each of the countries in, in the global footprint. Um, so that's what we have envisaged for the next one. Okay, thank you, Kim. Well, I think uh, uh, I invite everyone, of course, to tune in for the next one. And I, I thank you, uh, Kim and Joran, for uh, joining me again for this episode and the audience for tuning in. See you next time.